0: This is a CBC Podcast.
1: This episode touches on the issue of self-harm. It may not be appropriate for all listeners. If you ever think about hurting yourself, please call Kids Help Phone 1-800-668-6868. It's free help 24-7 and is confidential. That's 1-800-668-6868. You can be happy. But it's like catching water vapor, and happiness is the water vapor. You can catch little drips on your hand, but the vapor is going to escape. This,
2: this is, is my Mic drop. drop. Mic Drop? It's about us.
1: Teens and our stories and what we've been through.
2: What we are still going through. Without any adult interruptions. Testing. Testing.
3: Mike will drop in five. Okay. Four. Um, three. <laughs> two. Drop the mic.
2: A snickerdoodle because i know never
0: so this will be interesting hopefully yeah, the, first time, the first
2: time well the first time i made brownies was actually with you and yeah. then they turned out so well they were really my good name's
0: emma i'm in eighth grade i'm 14. Okay. what's
2: the first
0: thing i never grade, really knew there was anything wrong i guess wrong in the kind of way that i can't think of a better word to use and um when i was in grade four or three or four is when i think is i started to rely more on my daydreams and stuff that I imagine in my head, sort of imaginary characters. And, um, and in grade four, it made me super uncomfortable. I never wanted anyone touching me or talking to me. I just wanted to be left alone. But grade six, I remember really well. I remember being upset with my friends a lot because they just weren't getting me. a therapist, had confirmed at the beginning of only this year, really, that I have something called a dissociative disorder. It's it's an umbrella term for a bunch of other different things that affect different people. And the ones that, that I identify with the most are derealization, which is a feeling that, that everything I'm thinking can maybe not be true. And then the other one that I was told is, is more how I feel is depersonalization disorder, which is as if you're outside of your body. Um, I feel like I'm in the corner of the room looking out at everything and looking down on myself. And it's uncomfortable sometimes, but it's what keeps me myself because for as long as I can remember, I've been daydreaming. I start a story as soon as I wake up and I choose certain people around me to sort of fit into that story or when there's no one that fits the character that I need for the story, then I'll create my own in the room that I'm in and have them say stuff. And one of my biggest fears is that I'm gonna to respond to what someone never said or to someone who isn't there. The reason that this is happening is because of a sensory overload. I've been told this happens a lot with people who are creative um, because they're more sensitive to things like going to eat something, something as simple as going to eat something, or as putting on a certain article of clothing or going to see a movie. Those kinds of things stress me out now because sounds, there's too many sounds and chewing, I can't stand it. It makes me want to cry hearing someone chew. It's, I don't know why it does that. It just does. And I can imagine it happening. It's one of the bad things about having a imaginative mind is I can imagine everything happening I, I can hear it all in my ears I can hear it in their ears and then when I'm putting on a, a specific article of clothing and I feel it around me I sometimes I can't wear it because of the way it feels on me and so the depersonalization and derealization disorder come from their defense mechanisms for the sensory overload that I that I feel I've that never that, told uh, anyone anyone about any of this. It's the best but now I met I met a girl who moved from LA. Her name's Blake. And she feels very similar. Uh, in the sense that that she can understand. So
2: much. I remember we kind of first started talking about like stuff with like my O C D or mm-hmm. DDD, over this book. Because I remember you were over, we were in my room, and you're like, oh Turtles All the Way Down, that's such a good book. Yeah. I know. Yeah. i have never. Hi, I'm Blake. Stuff. I have OCD and just a general anxiety disorder.
3: I'll
2: just be sitting and I'll be like, did I close my door this morning? Oh no, I didn't close it. And then I'll think, oh no, I bet my dog's in there. I bet he's eating everything. I bet when I get home, something of mine's going to be gone. It, most of the time, it's my door's closed. I'm, I worry about unreal things. For me, the control part mostly comes in like mental but less of like, oh, I need all my pencils to be organized. It used to be more of that. Like I wouldn't be able to just brush my hand across a gate without brushing the other hand back and brushing two at the same time, making sure that everything was even. Or that if one day I broke a pencil, I couldn't just leave it. I couldn't just leave it and grab another pencil. I had to sharpen it right away. That doesn't happen as much anymore because of the medication, because of work I've done in therapy. OCD comes with its a lot of drawbacks, but also some some benefits because I'm more attentive, I'm more organized, not all the time, but most of the time, and I'm more um, putting more effort to things. I think more of like the what people commonly think of as OCD, like like not being able to eat pancakes unless they're perfectly round, or having to have your locker perfectly organized. That's not me. Like, my pancakes can be square (laughs) and I'll be fine. But for me, it's mostly I, if there's something I'm uncomfortable with, which is mostly like other actions by other people, it rattles me. And it happens a lot at group work in school because I tend to get irritated easily just because I need everything to be so manageable. Which I find kind of difficult because I can't control other people, of course. Next, okay. Uh, next is the two eggs. Two eggs. There you go. Do you want to? will. Put do you want to crack one and your, Emma, I'll crack one? For Emma, I phone could down. count how many people n- uh, knew on my on both my hands, even less than that. My OCD, my anxiety was a secret, and being able to open up with Emma about that it became less of a secret. And we talked about stigma, stigmas around mental health and not just our own mental health, but like everybody else. Everybody has something mentally or physically. Emma helped me realize that. In my family, So I've talked with like adults in my family about it, but it hasn't been as impactful as like just sitting and talking with you about it. Yeah. Because you're like my peer, mm-hmm. you're like literally my age. Yeah. You're a year older than me, but yeah. whatever. Um, Just like, thank you. Yeah. Because it's so important for me to have an outlet to talk to people. The fact that I was able to connect with Emma so quickly about something so unique and intimate. When I think about it, I'm like, wow, I'm so lucky. Um, It's just, it's great because it really, (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate her so much and I love her so much. And... Being able to talk with her about her mental illness and my mental illness—it's helping both of us. I felt scared to bring it up with people before this. Um, I felt like it was a secret that I was hiding, and now I don't. And and I can talk about anything with her. And she's she's really my person, and. I think a true friendship doesn't. You don't just have fun with that person, but you can help that person, like make a lasting difference. And Emma's definitely made a lasting difference. You're gonna make me cry. (laughs)
0: Love you, Blake.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If you are struggling with being upset or being depressed or having feelings that you don't think you should be having or that you think are keeping you from doing something that you want to do, ask for help and accept the help. If you don't have OCD or anxiety, know that everybody has something. And if someone in your class seems to be upset, leave them a note. It can be anonymous or just let them know that you're there for them. Okay, should
1: we try them? Yeah, Okay. Thank you. Cheers. Anxiety, the best way I can describe it is... like, when you're having a panic attack, it's like when somebody Somebody comes out of a corner and screams, boo. It's like startling. Just your heart beating really fast and you knowing that something could, or you thinking that something can come out right now and kill you. But it's like that every millisecond. Just a constant stream of just, boo. I'm Gary, I'm 14, I'm in grade nine. I was diagnosed in grade three and I think it's a normality now for kids to have ADHD. I was super disorganized, super like ticky even more than so than now. Uh, My mom would used to come like when she picked me up from school to go to my locker to like open it and, you know, get my jacket, get my clothes and all that. And she would always call it Hurricane Gary because of how stupidly messy it was. My parents got divorced when I was five. And I have very few memories of my parents being together. First, it really wasn't that bad. They were friendly, they were nice. Uh, And then my father, he got a new wife. And that's when they really started, you know, drifting apart when he, he changed a lot. I would say my dad's like a chameleon, because he changes his personality based on who he's with. And so when he was with my mom, he was a lot like my mom, and when he's with this woman, he's a lot like this woman. My dad is a very manipulative person, a very emotionally abusive person. He'll tell you to do something, and then he'll get mad if you do it, and then he'll get mad if you don't do it. He just tries to find ways to set you up to fail, just so he can get angry at you to fail. You know, he moved to Toronto and he was trying to get me to move with him, even though it would be a horrible thing, again, with him just constantly trying to manipulate my mind, trying to get me to think exactly like him, really. My dad tried to make me feel like my mom was a bad person. He was the good parent and my mom was the evil parent and I shouldn't listen to her and all her ideas are bad. Everything she said, he would say the exact opposite thing of her. When he said those things, I would really think that he was right. And so I basically really fell for almost everything he said. I was convinced that my mom was a bad influence on me. Even though at the same time, my mom was the only one I could talk to about how terrified I was of my dad. Oh, I have to go to dad's house again, you know. Another weekend of me being screamed at for all of my imperfections, and I just, I hated that. It was horrible. In grade seven, for my ADHD meds, I had a dose get going up from 52 milligrams or whatever to 72 milligrams or whatever. That really had a huge effect on me, and I became completely sad, stressed, and I guess that made me kind of get all the anxiety that was kind of, I guess sort of stuffed up inside of me for the years before. Yeah. If anxiety is like light or fluid, depression is a match. And you know, anxiety makes you scared of everything. And then when you're sad and scared at the same time, you just have no idea what the hell to do. You just want to curl up in a ball and just let yourself rot away. Toughest moment that my depression was peaking was when I was at my camp, which is just my f- the best camp in the world. It's my, like, Disneyland. I love it. And I was having panic attacks, like, every night I would have to go to, you know, the infirmary. I couldn't sleep in my tent, because after camp I would have to go be with my dad, because in the summer we do two weeks at my mom's house, two weeks at my dad's house. So I would have to go see him after, and I knew that. and. It was horrifying to me, the idea of that. I was stress eating, um, and I was curling up in a ball, just trying to not think of anything. When I came back from camp, I said, so when am I going to go to see Dad? My mom sat me down and said, I'm not letting you see your dad anymore because he's not a healthy influence on you and he's just making you sad. She was absolutely right. But it was terrifying. Because my dad gets rid of everybody in his life. And he doesn't care. It's like you were in my past life, I'm, you're gone. You just snap of a finger. I wouldn't be in his life anymore. And to not have a dad is hard. And so I flipped. I was in a state of hysteria. I was crying. I was screaming at her. I'm sure the neighbors heard everything. Uh, I was, yeah, screaming at the top of my lungs, how the hell could you have done this? You know, you've ruined me. You know, my dad's gonna kill me. Uh, Bawling my eyes out, hysterical. After my anger settled down, I realized that my mom had done the right thing. I knew it was unhealthy for me, she knew it was unhealthy for me. But it was still intense depression, still sad, unhappy all the time. I describe being depressed as you having a cloud around your head at all time. You can't see anything except for what's bad. I would just be curled up in a dark room, you know, under my blanket in the fetal position, just not wanting to talk to anybody, not wanting to see anybody, just kind of in a state of self-loathing. And then when I actually got up to do something to take my mind off of everything, it would usually be video games. My mother did have to lock up the knives I could have hurt myself. I could have really hurt myself. I was—I didn't have any will to live. I, I had no reason that, you know, that anything would get better. But it, it would. The thing that helped the most were the antidepressants, um, along with some therapy. At first, therapy to me just sounded like a bunch of bullshit. It's just some old guy you're paying 200 bucks a session to talk with, which, you know, again, to me sounded like an absolute load of shit. And I've had a few therapists that either weren't matches for me or were just really bad at their job, really unfriendly, surly people who shouldn't be working with children all the time. But, you know, I found a match. I found a great therapist, a great doctor. He was the one who really helped me. The main lesson I've learned is not don't judge a book by its cover, but don't judge a book by its first chapter. Because I, I experienced therapy, and I hated it. And then I tried it again, I tried a better one, I tried a newer one, and I liked it. I enjoyed it. It was... It help me. So sometimes, like in a book, you'll read the first chapter and I'll be like, wow, this is just horrible. And then I'll read the second chapter, you'll really get into it. Life has been on an incline and it's just getting better and better every day. And it used to be when I was depressed that there wasn't such thing as happiness. There was little things that made me feel happy And those were just kind of like, oh yeah, you know, I found a dollar on the ground. And now it's those little things kind of adding up that make me just happy. And it's a bunch of small things which get bigger and bigger and just put me in a good mood. And it's not perfect yet, but it's it's getting there. The one thing that I think teens with depression need to hear is that there's other people like you who are struggling just as much. And you might feel alone, but you're really not. Find somebody that can help you help yourself. You know, a therapist, a school guidance counselor, parent, legal guardian, a sibling, a friend. Just find somebody you can talk to that can help. Because talking to somebody does help immensely. You just gotta be patient and just know that it's it does get better.
3: someone To talk to about anything, Kids Help Phone is available 24 7. It's free and confidential. 1 800 668 6868. They also have a free app that you can download. It's called Always There. Or you can live chat with the counselor on Kids Help Phone website. That Kids Help Phone 1 800 668 6868. Mic Drop is produced in Montreal by Sherry Okeke and Kerry Haber. Associate producer on the series is Jess Shane with editing and mixing by Crystal Duhame. Look for CBC Mic Drop on Instagram and wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also reach us on micdrop at cbc.ca.
2: Next on Mic Drop, I ran out of the house with my school bag, and I ran so fast, and I didn't care that I only had socks on my feet in the snow. I just, I had to run.
0: Were those kids, the the grunge kids, the kicked out kids, the skater kids? This is a big happy family.